All right. A uh, couple of announcements. Um, for, the, for the ladies uh, involved with Secret Sisters, or if you haven't been involved with Secret Sisters, it doesn't make any difference. There's going to be a luncheon uh, coming up, and um, there's, there is a cost involved. And if that's an issue at all, just show up anyways, right? We like freeloaders here, right? I mean, spiritually, we, were, we are all freeloaders. Do you understand this, right? right? Spiritually, you are a freeloader. Like, you brought nothing to the table. Jesus Christ saved us because he loves us. And anybody who's teaching anything else is teaching a fairy tale, right? I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. When I was far off, when I was an enemy of God, that's when Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. The Bible goes on to say that scarcely will anyone dare to die for someone else, though for a good one, someone may dare to die. But Jesus and God the Father shows his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he is, Israel was talking about sports and, you know, put Jesus in. He's the quarterback. He's also the receiver, right? He throws it. He catches it. He runs it. He blocks. He punts. And I'm there going, yay, right? Get out of his way and let Jesus do what he's called you to be, but let him do it. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. He's called you. He's called you because he loves you and he does want to use you. I'm not saying go home and sit there and just wait for Jesus to come knock on your door for you to do anything, but know and understand and trust this, that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And he has called you from where you are. There, there's no, now, now there are, of course, there are exceptions to every rule, <laughs> but generally speaking, Wherever it was where you were at, whatever it was that you were doing, when Jesus Christ called you, he called you to be that for him. He needs plumbers who are missionaries, electricians, businessmen, nurses, doctors, you name it, everything. Whatever it is you do, Jesus Christ is looking for one of those, and he chose you because he is that much of a loving God. He is so marvelous to us. So anyways, if you want to come to the Secret Sisters Luncheon, right? Freely, the Bible says, you have received, freely give, right? There's never going to be anything withheld from anybody at this church because of money, right? Money is a wonderful servant, and it is an absolutely awful master, right? And Jesus says that. He tells us that in the Word. You cannot serve both God and mammon, and he uses the word mammon because that was literally a god that was associated with money. If you love money, then you worship the god mammon. If you love wine, you worship the god Bacchus. If you love sex, you worship the god goddess Aphrodite. And so many of these idols and so many of these false gods, all the way down from Babylon and through the Canaanites, one of the, the reason, one of the reasons, because the first and foremost reason is you will have no God and no thing before your Lord, your God. But the other part of that was because God understood that these gods were simply things of man's making to go along with what they wanted life to be. What it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it and let everyone count the cost before they come and follow Jesus Christ because someone said, I'll follow you anywhere, Lord. And he said, really? Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You want to follow me? Count the cost. It's a labor of love and it is for his 
glory. It is for His purposes. And He has called us to lay aside my will, my desires, the inclinations of my flesh, which are, believe it or not, the same as yours, right? In one way or another, we are all the same. This is why we don't judge within the church of Jesus Christ. We don't judge people because as the old timers used to say, and it holds true, there but for the grace of God go I. There is no person stooped in the deepest depths of sin on this planet that you are incapable of. And Jesus Christ came to rescue the people. Now, the people were looking for a physical rescuer. They were looking for a military conqueror to come and free them from the grip of the Romans. But make no mistake about it. Jesus didn't come to save people from the government then. And he didn't come to save you from the government now. Paul, or Paul, dad, same difference. Dad was saying this morning that Paul, in all of his writings, he never, never spoke about politics other than to honor Caesar. Give him the honor that's due him because that's what Jesus Christ taught. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and unto God that which is God's. Your life is not your own, but I'm a patriot. That means if people come to my house for my guns, I have the obligation and the moral duty to blow their heads off just like Jesus would. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ did not come to save us from government. I'm thankful that the Declaration of Independence freed us from the grip of tyranny. I'm thankful that the Constitution of the United States was drafted and written up to help us live in freedom. I'm very thankful for that, and I'm grateful to live in the country that I live in and in the time that I live in. But make no mistake about it, Jesus didn't call me to be super Captain America. Jesus called me, and God the Father called me. You know what Christian means? It's a, it's a spinoff of Christ ones. And that's what the early Christians were called. They weren't called Christians. They were called Christ ones. Because these people, all they did was seek to emulate the man Jesus Christ. And they wanted to treat people the way Jesus treated people. And they wanted to work the way Jesus worked. And they wanted to do and speak the way that Jesus spoke. And so the people call them Christ ones. That's what we've been called to be, Christ ones. So then you look in the mirror, how are we doing? Whoa, right? As, as it gets worse as you get older, kids, okay? Believe you me. Now you're like, that, that's not too bad. Look at that silhouette right there. You know, as time goes on, you look at me, ah! You know, you scare yourself sometimes, Right? But God wants all of us to be looking in a spiritual mirror. He says, don't be like the man that looks in a mirror and then goes away forgetting what he looks like. What is he talking about? Know thyself. Like David said, God, search my heart and know me and see if there is some wicked way in me that I don't see, that I don't realize is even there. Help me to find it. Help me to see it. And then help me to put it on the altar because it's yours. And you've called me not just to be called yours, you've called me into your service. You've called me into the kingdom to be a herald, to be an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I confess to you so often, I am such a poor ambassador. And I so poorly reflect Jesus Christ because he was meek and he was lowly at heart. He was gentle. He was loving and he spoke the truth, the hard truth to the hypocrites, didn't he? 
Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. One of the most absurd phrases or statements that anybody ever made in the Bible was when Peter said, not so, Lord. It's completely opposites. He cannot be my Lord and then have me say, not so, not so. Frank, this is what I want you to do. Frank, put down the chicken wing. Frank, I want you to go here. Frank, I want you to go there. Not so, Lord, not so, Lord. Really? Really? No, Jesus has called me to follow hard after him, to be his to the best of my ability, knowing and understanding this, I cannot do it on my own. You will find if you hang out with me long enough, it's just Frank, right? My poor wife, right? My poor wife suffers so. <laughs> She's up for sainthood. Pray for her, okay? It's just me. Anything that ever good that comes from me, anything good that ever comes from either my mouth or from my hands or anything from my life, it's not because I'm a good person. I'm a selfish, self-righteous, arrogant jerk. And that's on the good days, right? Jesus Christ called me and he pulled me out of the bondage of sin, the bondage of myself. See, this is tough for you young people. Because, again, when you're young, you're so full of optimism. Just wait. No, I'm kidding. Be, be optimistic. Please, be optimistic. But we tend, as young people, to feel that we're, we're indestructible. You see kids doing stuff like, what is it? What are they? And you remember, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, right? And you feel like you're indestructible, and it's like everything. And I'm, I'm good. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. As life goes on. And as Jesus Christ calls you closer to himself and he begins to show you the reflection of yourself, you begin to understand what that Bible verse really means when it says that all of our righteousness are, the, are like in God's eyes the rags that they use to wrap the sores of leprous people. That's what my righteousness looks like to God. That's what all my goodness looks like to God. It is by him, it is of him, it is for him, it is through him. He is our all in all, amen? Amen. Okay, so turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, as we read it and study it together, Lord, that you would just say to our hearts whatever it is that you're looking to say this morning, Father, that I wouldn't get in the way of what you're trying to do uh, Lord, and that you would have free reign to speak into each heart here this morning. Bless your people, I pray, Father. Uh, show them your face this morning, Lord. Show them your glory, uh, Lord, and come alongside them, Lord, in that gentle, beautiful way that you do, Lord, for exhortation, for correction, uh, and to fill their hearts with joy and gladness. When they leave this place, they carry that light and that salt with them into a world that so desperately, 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 desperately needs it, Lord. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 26, God, uh, I, I, I called him Paul, and then I just called him God, uh, for heaven's sake. Dad, I meant to say dad. I don't know, I never treated you like God, did I? <laughs> uh, dad was, was uh, this morning got to about verse 12, so we're going we're gonna to pick up from that point. And 
what Moses was, was giving the people was uh, another concept, another, another scripture, another teaching about tithing. And specifically, it was the, the tithing of first fruits. Okay, the first fruits. Now, uh, be thankful that you're not a Jew under the law because it is burdensome. Okay, when you read the Old Testament, you're never supposed to come to a place in your Christian walk where you're like, you get through, you know, Leviticus and you're like, whew, that was easy. I could do that standing on my head. You know what I mean? Every time you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, like, especially in our Gentile minds, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I hate rules. You know what I mean? I hate being told what to do. That's all it is. You want to be a follower of God and you want to do it based on merit. You want to do it based on goodness. This is the burden of it. And you're supposed to be driven as a human being to read through the law and go, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a person of unclean lips. And Jesus comes alongside you and says, I got it from here, right? Let him play. Let him play. He became sin, right? He was not the end of the law. He was the completion of the law, right? That's the song that we just sang. The law, he said, I have not come to abolish the law. Make no mistake about it. I didn't come here so that you Christians would say, the law is only for the Jews. The law is only for the Jews. I did not come here to abolish the law, Jesus said. I've come to fulfill the law. I've come so that when you read the law, you can see your terrific need that you have, and you can see my saving grace in it. That's what the law is to the believer. And the, 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 the concept of the first fruit offering was this, exactly this, that the first and the best of everything that I have or that I receive belongs to the Lord. The first of everything I have and everything that I receive belongs to the Lord. And, you know, when it comes to the, the, the idea and the concept of tithing, we don't beg for money around here. We don't pass, pass the plate around twice and have double, double tithe Sundays or anything like that. Uh, God doesn't need money. He does own all the cattle on a thousand hills. But what God wants is our obedience, right? What God wants, what God wants is for what belongs to you that you understand it really doesn't belong to you, but you're a steward of it. You're a steward of it. And so the first of everything that I get goes back to the Lord. That's the concept. Abraham tithed before the law. Remember? When Melchizedek the priest comes out to meet him after the battle uh, between Sodom and Gomorrah and the other kings. And Melchizedek, this, this, this mysterious figure in history that we learn about more in the book of Hebrews comes out. And it says that Abraham gave him a tenth of all. And Abraham was wealthy. So the concept there is sound right? And it definitely applies to your, to your pocketbook. But understand this, understand this. It mostly applies to your heart, right? God does want control of your finances. God does want control uh, of, of all the things that you have, of your home, of, your, of how you do things and how you conduct your lives. But God is after your heart, you can never, ever, ever put the cart before the horse on that and expect to be successful, spiritually speaking. God wants our hearts, right? He wants our obedience. And the first fruit offering comes from that. It's that, God, you are worthy. Everything that I have is because of you. You've blessed me with it. And so it is my joy. It is my joy. It is my pleasure, as the word says, God loves a cheerful giver. It is my joy to give you whatever I can to show you my appreciation, the least of which is my money. 
when you get that call on a Saturday afternoon and you're chilling with the fans, right? And somebody needs you and you put yourself on the altar, that's a real tithe. That's a real tithe. And that's really what God is after in the end. But uh, he continues on in this, in this concept in verse 12. And it was this three-year three offering that he's specifically speaking of. And we're going to read uh, a little bit from Deuteronomy chapter 14. But it says, when you have finished laying aside all the tithes of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 through 29 is where we first see this law, and here's what it says. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates, within your gates, okay? So this is different. This is a different than, than taking that tithe and bringing it to the house of God. But on this year, you will store it up within your gates. And here's the purpose. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you. Now, a common misconception that Christians make is thinking that when they're talking, thinking Old Testament and the Levites is that they all lived in the temple. There was a lot of Levites. You understand this? There was a lot of Levites and they were spread all throughout Israel. Okay. They would go to the temple to serve or they would go here and there to serve God, but they didn't all live at the temple. Okay. The Levites, that was a tribe in the nation of Israel. What set them aside, what set them apart is that God had said, this tribe is going to be the tribe that I use to minister before me in the tabernacle and then later the temple. And they are to have no inheritance among their brethren. In other words, there is no land that's portioned to them. Okay, But I, God said, I will be their inheritance. I am their inheritance. So when the people paid their tithes and when the people gave, that went to taking care of the Levite. And when you go through the law and the sacrifices, there were specific portions that were laid aside for the Levite. But the Levites are all over, many of them far from the temple. And so when this would happen in the third year, they would store it up within their gates rather than bringing it to the tabernacle, to the temple rather. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger, that would be somebody who was not an Israelite, but was living in the land, and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Now later on in the prophets, they're going to be getting after the people of Israel. First and foremost, it was for idolatry. Because they did, and Moses prophesies this. We're going to read a, a portion from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Right before he died, Moses prophesied about this. But they had forgotten their God in the sense that they were going after and worshiping these other false gods that we were talking about, right? Because in the worship of those gods was the indulgence of the flesh, right? All people worship. Although many worship that which they know not, all people worship. And all that, name, that, that word worship literally means worth-ship. 
What do you sacrifice for that thing that you worship, whether it's sport or pleasure or, or whatever the case may be, your career or money or whatever it is, status? Whatever that thing is that you worship, you will sacrifice to it. You'll put your marriage on the altar for that thing which you worship. You'll put relationships and you'll put God below that thing that you worship. And that's why God says you will have no other gods before me. He's not just talking about a bronze statue. He's talking about anything in your life that would take preeminence over your obedience and your relationship to him. That to you, my friend, is an idol. Woe is me. <laughs> right? Woe is me. Okay. Um, there's something else that I wanted to say there. Uh, oh, the, 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 the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, that was the phrase that pays, right? That was the phrase that God would use continually throughout the Old Testament. It literally means, okay, anyone who was destitute, anyone who was in need, anybody who needed your assistance, okay? That's what, it's re that's what it was referring to. Um, and then later on in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, oh, Oh, I keep, it keeps, it's there and then it slips away. Let's go to, maybe it'll come back. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 15 to 18. Um, <laughs> and now this is Moses in the promise, or right before they go into the promised land, he inaugurates Joshua, okay, to be the new leader of the nation of Israel. And right before Moses dies, it's called in your Bible, if there's a heading, probably the Song of Moses. And Moses talks about this, this, this very thing. Um... Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 15 to 18 says this, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Now, I felt triggered when I read this. You know what I'm saying? I felt triggered just a little bit. Uh, then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods with abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. Now, Paul points this out in the New Testament. He says all those idols and those false gods, we understand and we know there are no other gods except for Jehovah. So what these Gentiles really are doing is sacrificing and worshiping demons, okay? And Moses is talking about that, but about the children of Israel. They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. And so when they were to come uh, and make this declaration, they were, they were, they were, to, they were to say, all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Moses went on to say, but you will forget them. You will forget them. That's where it means Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, right? It's the idea of fat and happy, right, married men? <laughs> fat and happy, right? You get comfortable. You ever been there as a Christian? Here's what happens, and here's one of the things. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And that's the, t the state we find ourselves spiritually living in in the United States of America, 2021. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. We have more stuff, we have more comfort, we have more luxury, we have more things available to us than at any time in history, and yet our country seems to be in absolute disarray. In absolute disarray. 
Because I don't care what your, what your professors say or what your high school teachers say, okay? Let me tell you, this country may not have been founded. They were not a bunch of born-again Christians and the declaration came out of a Bible study, okay? I'm not saying that. They, all of them, feared God. And they, all of them, respected the moral and ethical code written in this book. And they made open confession. You know, it's not the things I don't understand that bother me about the Bible. It's the things I do understand. You know, one of our forefathers went through and blacked out the stuff he didn't like in the Bible because it was speaking to him. Okay, these weren't like these the greatest Christians that ever were. But there was an understanding and there was an ethic and there was a moral code. Okay, it was far short of God's standard. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. But any unity that was there in this United States of America was because of that. Early on in our country's history, uh, there was a French writer that came to the United States of America and he wrote this whole thing on the greatness of America. And his conclusion was this, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then America will cease to be great. And it's interesting to me because progressively as we have moved on as a country, okay, and, and please... Don't, I'm, I'm not being political. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. They all need to repent. You understand that, right? I mean, if you think your side is the righteous side and the other side's the evil side, you, you, got, you got it all mixed up. They are both evil, okay? And I mean evil by God's standard. I'm not talking about like, you know, uh, Lord Sauron or, or what's the Harry Potter character there? Uh, come on, you know it, you, you, you sinners. <laughs> you know, Voldemort, thank you. I'm talking about evil from God's standards. From God's standards. There was a moral, there was an ethical code. Dad was talking about this morning, about when he was a boy, and the way things were. There was an understanding. You know what was open on Sundays? Nothing was open on Sundays. That was the Lord's day. And so we don't do commerce on Sundays. That was a day where families went to church to worship together. And so it's like on one hand, we have, we have progressively moved forward. We have more uh, seemingly more equality and more rights and more all of this stuff in our country's history than we did ever before. And at the same time, we're a mess because we threw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay? Men are evil. Make no mistake about it. Governments are evil. You mean even the Yes, even America. By God's standards, we're evil. And at any point in time, at any point in history, when we say to ourselves, we don't need the God of the Bible anymore. We don't need Jesus anymore. We'll do it on our own because we're America. It's the beginning of the end. You don't want to hear my last day's message because I believe it's all over but the crying. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church, and I, see, I think that every single thing that we see taking place today is slingshotting us into the tribulation period, a time in which the Bible speaks more about than any other time in human history. And we're worried about what's on Netflix. And we're worried about who's kneeling for a flag. Christians. And we're ready to shoot people. I don't have enough bullets. I need to get more, can't get bullets around here no more. You got a Bible though, don't you? Why don't you use that? We have forgotten our first love. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You're a big fat <laughs> tub of guts, obese. 
chicken wings slapping, sliding, you know. We're so fat and happy. And yet the Bible tells us, I want you to be sober-minded. I want you to be vigilant. You want you to understand two things. The enemy goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you stand in the gap. But the game's on. But this, but that, but the other thing. I am completely distracted. Day to day. And it's like every morning, I got to pray, Lord, 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 today. Help me to have divine focus today, Lord. Not like yesterday. <laughs> today. Help me have divine focus, Lord. I can't stop thinking about the distractions of this life. And there's people everywhere around me dying. And and dying and going into a Christless eternity while the church and people are standing all around them saying, they're in a better place. If they don't know Jesus Christ, there's hell. And that's it. And I'm not trying to be fire. And, you know, this is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. We all of us, me first and foremost, first and foremost, need a wake-up call. It's like, God, help me to tithe my life. It's easy to throw money in that box in the back or in the plate. But God, help me this week to, to, to fast something that really hurts. Help me to, instead of indulging in this thing in my flesh, to spend time in your word. You know, my, my kids will tell you, it's like a broken record in my house. This week, kids, you know, we're going to study the Bible. You're all going to be, you know, <laughs> philosophers in the word by the end of the week. You know, and they're like, sure, dad. You know what I mean? You know, just distract them. Throw a chocolate chip cookie in the corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> These rotten kids. Tell you what. <laughs> Got no respect at all, you know? <laughs> Listen, we can be real. I can yell and scream up here and pound the pulpit and understand I'm not mad at you. And God is not mad at you, right? And God is not mad at me. God loves us. And I've said it before, and it's the, the, it ends up being like the, I should put it on a T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to be where you are at in Christ Jesus. It's okay to be where you are at in Christ Jesus. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. It's a walk. It's a journey. It's a path. It's a gate. We're pilgrims. All the verbiage that's used in Scripture, all the wording that's used in Scripture to describe your walk is exactly that. You're traveling. You're moving. You're passing through. You are never just stagnant. Read Pilgrim's Progress, right? The slaw of despond. Just stagnant. Just everything day after day. And you know, I understand. I say this. You guys have heard me say this. I'm a, how was your week? Hamster on a wheel. Hamster on a wheel. Hamster on a wheel. Get up. Go to work. But that's a nice wheel. It's a good wheel. You know what I'm saying? And I'm running, chubby little legs, pumping, you know. Great life. Great life. Wonderful life. I'm so blessed. And when I pray that prayer where I say, but God, help us to not forget the one who blessed us for the sake of the blessing. We just want blessing, we just want blessing, we just want blessing, we just want blessing, and we don't want to give the rest of our lives into God's hands. And that's what he's looking for. Uh, so, verse 14, here's the, the, the continuing of this, this, uh, this, this prayer, this oath, whatever you want to call it, whether they're saying before the priests, I have not eaten any of it, which is the tithe, that which belonged to God, Okay? 
I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Now, specifically, um, when you touched a dead person, okay, according to the law, you were made unclean. And there was a ceremony that you had to go through in order to make yourself clean before you could then go back to the tabernacle or the temple and worship, okay? It's like, how are you made unclean by death? It is what it is. You understand? Humanity is unclean. Death is unclean. It's not because God looks down and goes, ew, gross, somebody died. Death is unclean because it is itself exactly the wages of sin. The only, when you go to a funeral, it feels weird every time. You never get used to it, do you? And I'm not even talking about just when it's a loved one and you, you deal with that heartache and that hurt and that loss that comes from losing that person that was so important and impactful in your life. There's just something weird about funerals. You were not built for death. You were built for life. And it was sin that entered into this world and it is sin that brought about death. That's why it all comes down to atonement, Right? It all comes down to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross because it's sin that had to be dealt with before we could start talking about relationship with God. And so death is unclean because it's the wages of sin. And so a person who was in contact with a dead body was unclean and they had to go through a ceremony before they could be made clean to go to the tabernacle. So I have not eaten any of this tithe while I was unclean. Okay, and 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 in 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 a sense, uh, perverted it or made it or made it dirty. What's the other thing? Um, I have not removed any of it for an unclean use. In other words, I have not used anything that should be used in God's service for a common thing. I'll say that again. (laughs) I have not used anything that should be used in God's service for an unclean or common thing. And the last thing he says is, I have not, uh, excuse me, I have not given any of it for the dead. Now, this was a Canaanite practice, okay, and this is something that goes all the way back to Babylon and goes forward in, uh, throughout history as well. This idea of communication with the dead, this idea of doing something for the dead or, or, or talking to the dead. Now, I'm not saying in your mind, in your subconscious, and you, you oh my goodness, if if old pocket see me now, you know, and that's not what I'm talking about, okay? But according to the Bible, according to scriptures, okay, there is no communication between the dead and the living. God is the gatekeeper between death and life. God is the gatekeeper, and the Bible says that it is appointed unto every man once to die, and then the judgment. This idea of talking to the dead or communicating to the dead or, uh, what is it, the Long Island uh, uh, medium? Oh, you know that one, huh? (laughs) Sinners up in here. I'm teasing, joking. But that idea, and I understand it's all over the place and stuff like that, but make no mistake about it, there is a very specific reason that God has forbade us from dabbling in that dimension. And it is because of this, until you are glorified, you do not belong in that dimension. That dimension is above you, that dimension is beyond you, and it is not to be meddled with, not because it's not real, but because it's very real. Because it's very real. 
And when a person passes from life into physical death, they are now in God's hands, period, point blank. There's no more prayers to be said. There's no more conversations to be had. Again, I'm not saying don't go to the grave of your loved ones and have a conversation because it makes you feel better. But no one understand, you ain't having a conversation, okay? Now, this is where I get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? This is where I get in trouble. So it's me. So if you want to just dismiss stuff, just fine, dismiss it. That's fine. I go to a funeral, right? Especially if it was a person who loved the Lord. And they're like, oh, you know, he's looking down. He's looking down. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not looking. You know why? He doesn't care. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because he opened, he closed his eyes in death. And he opened them. And there was Jesus standing in front of him. And he's before the throne and the altar. And he sees the living creatures casting their crowns. And holy, holy, holy. Oh, hold on a second. God, I'll be right back. I got to check on the funeral. They, they don't, they're gone. They don't care. They don't want to be here. They don't want to know. They're in the presence of Almighty God and Jesus Christ, their Savior, man. Amen. Okay? They don't care. You know what I'm saying? Don't pray to them. Don't talk, you, know, you can have your little conversations. It makes you feel better, but no one understands. All right, I made that point. That point's made. Okay? You've made the point, buried the point. Um, what belongs to God is for holy use only. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 20. Do you, oh my goodness, i got to end here. Um, or preach till 2, you'll never know, do you? You never know what's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 20, do you not, I'll finish with this, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body for her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price... Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, he talks about sexual immorality here to make the point. But the point to be made is this, I belong to God. And the things he's blessed me with belongs to God. And I'm never to take my life or my body or the things that, that have been given to me by God to be a steward of and to use them for any unclean purpose or unclean use. And this is that thing where you've been called out. You've been called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, it's that idea that God is in charge, that God is the one who has blessed me. I'm simply a steward of it, and it all is to be given back and used for his glory and for his purposes. So we'll, we'll stop there, guys, and then we'll, we'll pick it up next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we, we thank you for your word, and we ask, Lord, that you would um, help us to remember <clears throat> the things we've learned today from your word that you've taught us, uh, uh, Lord, uh, as you've spoken to each person's heart, maybe here individually, Lord, I ask and pray that they would remember the things that you've said to them, and uh, Lord, that you would just be continually moving us forward in our walk and in our faith, uh, Lord, and that, and that we would be mindful of the things of, uh, things of you, Lord, and the things that are spiritual rather than the things that are physical, Lord. You would be, give us that divine perspective, uh, Lord, to see things through your eyes and to see a world around us, Lord, that so desperately needs to know about Jesus Christ. Uh, whether they accept it or reject it, Father, is, is between them and you, Lord. But we want to be ambassadors, Lord. We want to we live our lives for you. And uh, we pray that you'd have your way in us and through us, Lord. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would continue to guide this church and the families 
that make up this church and the individuals that make up this church, Lord, and that we would all, every single one of us equally belong to you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody. Sorry about the... <laughs>